once in a while, I think about the people who came up with our various systems of measuring time. And I am amazed at what they were able to do and how they were able to figure various things out. How they were able to plot out the the way that an hour works, the how many minutes are in an hour, how many hours are in a day, how many days in a week and in a month and in a year and so on and so forth. I think about how arduous and how methodical this development had to have been in order for them to plot out how all of this worked and not really how all of this worked so much as how they were able to propose that this is how many minutes are in an hour and hours in a day and so on and able to have it work out, able to have it match up with how we experience a day and a year and so on. Now, of course, the way that they did this is they paid attention to the movements of the sun. At least at the beginning, they thought it was the movements of the sun. Eventually, of course, we would figure out that it wasn't the movement of the sun. It was actually the movement of the earth, its rotation and its movement around the sun. And they were able to, based on that, figure out, well, the, this, this is how long it takes for the earth to rotate one time. And this is how long it takes for the sun to be in the sky on a typical day. And this is how long it takes for all of that to circle back around and begin again. I am just fascinated by how, again, methodical this group or this individual had to have been, it had to have been more than just an individual. Maybe an individual discovered it, but but then from there, they, he had to get all of his smart buddies around, and and between all of them, they figured out, okay, well, the, this this is how long this is, and this is how long this is, and, and, and this is eventually when it all starts over. And then, of course, from there, we got... M- Modern miracles, modern technology, things like clocks and calendars and planners and so on. The things by which we base our daily lives now. The things by which, the things on which we depend to make sense of our lives, or, or at least 
a little bit more sense than we would have without them. Now, I have to say that it is a yearly thrill for me, it has been for years, to receive my new desk calendar. The UCC puts out a desk calendar. It's an 18-month desk calendar. It comes out, the new one comes out sometime in June, and it eventually, it hits my desk around that same time. I have, I remember the first time I started using one of these. I was still in seminary at the time, and I, one of my field ed supervisors, he had an extra one. And he'd handed it to me. He said, here you go. If you need one of these, here you go. And I just decided, well, yes, I, I, I should start using this. And I, and I began in those earliest days by writing down assignment due dates, when big papers were due, when I had to give a presentation in class, when big final projects for the semester where I would need to turn those in. And since I was, again, also in some kind of a contextual education placement, which is I was a student pastor in a church, I would also write down big, important events or activities that I was a part of in as part of that work. And it became all very handy. And then when I eventually transitioned into full-time ministry, I decided, well, this has worked for me so far, so I'm going to keep using these. And so eventually, paper assignments and due dates gave way to church meetings and big youth group activities and when we were going to have important moments during worship, and when I was going to visit so-and-so, and when I was going to visit another so-and-so, and when I was going to visit a third so-and-so, I visited a lot of so-and-sos in those days. Anyway, this is all to say that I don't know when exactly the shift happened, but there came a point where not only was I becoming incredibly dependent upon this desk calendar, but I would even become excited when I knew that the new one was about to hit my mailbox. It, w it worked out very well because each church each church in the United Church of Christ, by default, receives a free desk calendar. And so I would always claim it because, like, the, the secretary wasn't going to use it. Nobody else was going to use it. So I always pounced whenever that would arrive. It came to a point even where one particular secretary would set it on my desk. There was at least one instance where she attached a sticky note 
to the envelope saying Merry Christmas. So even at some point, it, it became quite known how much I was looking forward to getting my new desk calendar. This, this result of all of that plotting of the sun and all of those calculations that had taken place so many centuries ago. Thank you, sun watchers. Thank you, earth rotation trackers. All of your hard work is now affording me this wonderful gift that is bestowed every summer. Now, why did I like this desk calendar? I don't use it as much now, I confess. I still greatly look forward to it because my name, mostly because my name is printed in the back as a national staffer. But why, why did I enjoy this? Why did I never transition into some other planner? I did. I tried. I tried electronic calendars in these days. Didn't take. I tried smaller versions of these calendars. Didn't take. I tried weekly planners. Definitely didn't take. There was something about being able to see all of these days, a month's worth of days laid out for me from beginning to end. All these little boxes with every visit and with every meeting and with every big event and with every deadline spread out at once for me to see. There was something about it that, that I was able to map out at least a month at a time. And this, there, there, was, there was even some comfort in it, being able to see all of this at once. But then, of course, there, there was also a downside that I didn't always pick up on. That being able to see all of this at once also made me aware of what was coming up into the future before I was truly ready or before I truly needed to begin concerning myself with it. I would look at a month and I would see that I had something to work on during a particular week. But I was also, there was also part of my brain that was already starting to focus on what would need to happen a week from now, two weeks from now, a month from now. I would turn the page. My brain would catch on something that wouldn't need to happen until a month or more from now. And that would cause me to worry about things far into the future that didn't my more rational side would tell, would remind me that didn't really matter that much yet, if at all. But part of my brain 
even a small part, even a very modest part of my brain would still say, oh, oh yes it does. This is the curse, the downside, the shadow side of all of that tracking of the Earth's rotation. It's ongoing psychological effect on people like me thinking, well, now, now that I am aware, now that I am able to plot out and measure these things and see it all spread out before me in my wonderful desk calendar, now I need to worry about things that are so far off at this point just to be more prepared for them. Because to be worried is to somehow be more prepared for them. At least I thought at various points. I certainly wouldn't blame, or at least solely blame, my desk calendar for cultivating this worry the system of worrying about things far in advance. Uh, my there, There's another part of my brain that just does that automatically. It's a part of who I am. It's a part of why I take Lexapro every morning. So there certainly is more to it than just the desk calendar, although there are times when it did not help matters. It hindered them more than helped them at times. But nevertheless, nevertheless, that worry about things far off, that worry about things that are not immediately in front of me, that worry about things that you can't really do much about or shouldn't have to do much about, at this point because they won't happen until tomorrow or until next week or until next month. It can have an effect. It can affect whatever it is that we should be focusing on in the meantime. And so let's think for just a little bit about both the effect that that has on us and also ways that we can leave things that are meant for tomorrow to tomorrow. Welcome to the Coffeehouse Contemplative Podcast. So we're going to read some scripture this week. We're going to consider some words from Jesus as it relates to worry, worrying about tomorrow, worrying about what it is we have coming up 
on our to-do lists and so on. The, this, this teaching comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, and it starts at verse 25 and goes through verse 34. This is part of what is commonly known as the Sermon on the Mount, which is in Matthew 5 through 7. It's part of a whole bunch of teachings that have been collected together and, and placed in these chapters. And so at one point in, in this passage, Jesus turns his attention to worry. And so he says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Creator feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will God not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed your heavenly Creator knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and God's righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. Now, depending on what your station in life is, you could receive these words in various ways. The first way, and it's a way that we should pay attention to, is when Jesus is saying things like, well, don't worry about what you're going to eat today. Don't worry about what you're going to wear today. Don't worry about what, what you're going to drink today. It'll be fine. It'll all work out. It is easy to hear this as being a minimization of our daily needs. And given the, the larger scope of what Jesus was about, I, I don't think that say that that focusing on things this way would necessarily be what what Jesus was really going for. Well, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear or what you're going to drink. Eventually, Jesus does say you do need these things. You need these things every day. And Jesus, you know, a big part of his ministry was feeding people, was teaching about feeding others, was teaching about clothing others who needed it, was teaching about 
giving a cup of water to those who need it. So, no, I don't think that Jesus is saying these things aren't important. I think what he is really trying to get at is the type of attitude, the type of approach to life that is preoccupied in unhealthy ways toward a particular way of living and a particular way of approaching these things. In particular, this comes right after a passage, this comes right after a teaching about wealth, where Jesus talks about you can't serve two masters, you can't serve both God and the concerns about worldly wealth. So that provides a little bit of the context. Maybe maybe he wasn't talking about basic food so much, or basic clothing, so much as a certain quality of food and clothing that would reinforce your status in the world. So that could be one potential reading. Worrying about status and those particular things day to day that that might help reinforce it or or add to it. It could also be a f- general focus on overly being worried about possessions. Don't worry, don't don't be so preoccupied with your possessions and with your wealth that you miss the quality of life that you could have if you were to not worry so much about them. An over-preoccupation of self and status and so on. So so there's the, the, the reading that says, you, you know, don't worry about these things. God, God will just always magically give you stuff to eat. No, that, that would be a minimization of the very real concerns that so many in Jesus's day had and so many still have today. And given the spirit of who Jesus was, that, that's probably not what he was going for. What he was more going for was the, a type of worry that actually begins to degrade our quality of life. A type of worry that, that works against us and works against our our life in the world, our purpose in the world, the purpose and calling that God has for us, our, our ability to truly enjoy life the way that, that birds and lilies are somehow able to do. That we miss what is directly in front of us, what is happening now, what the potential that our current moment has because we are too preoccupied with what is penciled in on our desk calendars and our planners a week or more from now that that we are somehow missing out on the gift of this present moment because we are so overly preoccupied 
with what has yet to happen, either in reality or just in the scenarios that we cook up in our minds in sometimes pretty extravagant and exaggerated ways. So here are all these birds and lilies just existing for the moment. And, and they get what they need existing in the moment. And, and so how much more, you notice this, Jesus says, how much more is God concerned about you? How much more is God concerned that you eat every day and that you are clothed every day and that you have replenishment for your thirst every day? So, so th this, this is Jesus saying God is very much concerned about your basic needs every day as well. You are as well. But those worries for today are plenty. That's the very last verse that, that Jesus, where Jesus says the, this, in this passage, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will have worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough. Today's trouble is enough to worry about without looking ahead, without pre-worrying about tomorrow's issues. Because there's already enough to do. There's already enough to pay attention to. There's already enough to address here today in this present moment without also adding to it whatever it is that's coming tomorrow or next week, or next month, and so on. So, by worrying that much into the future, we're only adding unnecessarily to the problems of today. We're just piling on ourselves in ways that are not really that helpful in ways that are distracting us or that are making us even more anxious about today's troubles. And so, instead, perhaps it is better to leave tomorrow's problems in tomorrow for now. Because we sure do have enough to worry about without them. Now, at this point, I know what you might possibly be thinking in response. 
And I know that this thinking is out there somewhere because I would most likely be thinking it as well. As I've already said, I have my own issues with worry. I have my own issues with anxiety. I have my own issues with wanting to know what is coming up. Wanting to know what is going to happen tomorrow. Wanting to know what's going to happen a week, a month from now, and so on. I like planning ahead. I like being aware of, of what is coming up and, and planning accordingly, preparing for it. I, I like to, to have that sense of what is approaching down the road. And so it is very likely that at least some of you who are listening are thinking a couple, maybe a couple things. Not, not just one thing, but maybe a couple of things. The, the first thing might be, well, you know, that sounds really easy. It sounds really simple when you just say these sorts of things. And th it's, an, it's an easier said than done sort of, sor sort of approach to life. Because after all, we have mortgages. We have work deadlines. We have, we have soccer practice. We have another payment coming up for our kids' college. We, we, there, there are these things that are on the horizon that if we don't plan for them, we're going to end up being screwed. So, yes, absolutely. And I definitely join with you on that. There, there are things in my own life where I definitely need to be planning ahead. I, it, for most of us. For most of us, we have these things. The, these things we could name that we need to be aware of. Because only focusing on today could sabotage those sorts of things later. And so... I hear that, and what what I really want to do, what, the real purpose is not to just, you know, feed you a bunch of gooey self-help stuff. There, there are plenty of, of books and podcasts and speakers and popular smiling preachers who would say, well, just... Just don't don't worry about that. There's no there's no worrying that that could that could benefit you. Don't don't sweat it. It's all gonna work out. And I don't want to be counted among them. So the, I want to what I really want to encourage here is a reframing, which I've that that if you've been listening to this for. A while, you would know that I'm big on reframing, and so I want to reframe this sort of stuff as well. So yes, we have deadlines. We have big important things 
coming up away down the road. Those exist. You can't just dismiss them. You can't just ignore them. But we can reframe our how much space they take up in our minds in a given moment. And the way that we do that is, yes, to plan, maybe even to make lists, maybe even to, to, to circle, that, circle that moment, circle that time on our desk calendar. But there is only so much that we can do now, today, that will help with that that is coming tomorrow. And so maybe if, if we have some big thing that is coming up that we know is, is approaching the horizon, we might ask, in the midst of our daily concerns, and we have our daily concerns, we do have worries about what we will eat. We do have worries about what we will wear. We have worries about, uh, about our work and about our families that need immediate and timely attention. Things that do need to happen today. Things that are going to affect our quality of life today regarding one or more of these things. And on top of all of that, we may also be worried about tomorrow, something that's coming up tomorrow, something that's coming up a ways down the road. So we may ask, what is one thing that we can do today to address that? to lessen that worry just a little bit. What, what is most appropriate in light of everything else that we have going on, that we have to be concerned with right now, that, we, that can help us chip away at that bigger tomorrow-focused worry? Is there some little thing we can do that is going to shrink that worry about the later thing? And so whatever it is that we are capable of doing, whatever it is, whatever is truly within our power and what is truly appropriate and convenient given our abilities and our time now, what can we do? What can be done? If the answer, if we, if we come up with a real answer, well, maybe I can, I, I can set aside this little bit of money for this later payment. Maybe I can put in just five more minutes of practice toward this this later, bigger thing. Maybe, maybe I can work 
for five or ten minutes on this thing now and then that will mean less time later then by all means let's go ahead and knock that out on the other hand the answer might actually be nothing I can't do anything about that right now either because I'm so busy with what is right in front of me with what I have to do today or because there's just no feasible practical thing that can be done at this point well then let's leave that problem in tomorrow if there is truly nothing that can be done if there is no true way to address it then let's just focus on other stuff let's focus on today's worry let's work us focus on today's problem and then when tomorrow's problem actually arrives then we'll deal with it then now again, this may not sound any easier. This may not sound like it's much of a solution at all. But those little things, those little ways that we might be able to approach tomorrow's problems and then leave the rest to tomorrow, it's something. It's some small thing. And small things, as I've long believed, eventually add up to big things so if there's a way to add up those small things now then then why not why not go ahead and start adding up some small things but on the other hand if there really truly is nothing that can be done yet well then we might be able to simply adopt a new mantra that's a tomorrow problem. If there's truly nothing that can be done, well then, today is enough. And that can be a tomorrow problem instead. Now this won't magically solve all our worries. This might not magically comfort us the way that we would like it to but it can at least begin to lead to something that helps us focus a little bit more in the present and let us focus on the quality of life that today's opportunities present. Thank you for listening to the Coffeehouse Contemplative Podcast. I'm Jeff Nelson. You can find more about my writing, including all my books, at jeffreyanelson.com. You can also find me on social media, Jeffrey A. Nelson on Facebook, and I'm at Bold Roast Rev on Instagram and elsewhere. Have a great week.